New York City begins to close up shop for the day. The sun goes down, and the club kids come out, dressed in bizarre costumes straight from a fashion-fueled nightmare. Too many drugs to remember what's happening, but just enough to not feel a thing. Grotesque gore parties and horror shows as if everyone is trying to shock each other more and more, and louder and louder the music thumps, beating like a hammer. Don't leave, the party's just begun, because this is based, biased, or BS. Hello, hello, this is the podcast where two best friends tell one two story. My name is Maddie. And my name is Zach. And this is based by a story. Baby. <laughs> Ta-da. Are you going to keep that? Yeah. Oh. Well, yeah. We don't have to do it the same every time like little robots. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Hello. How are you? I'm pretty good. I'm a little bit scared for this episode because it's a lot. But it is. But we can keep it happy until then. Yeah, we can keep it super pumpy happy. <laughs> <laughs> what do you want to talk about? Um, I didn't know if you had a topic episode. you wanted to talk about. I did, but then I'm trying to get past this. Okay. I'm realizing it's like an immediate fear of like I get nervous. I'm not going to say the right thing, so like a million things flashed in my brain. I can't pick one. Oh. Oh. And then it goes blank once I'm like, okay, just pick one. And it's like, gone. They're all gone. Oh. So have you ever experienced that? I do experience that feeling uh-huh. of having too many thoughts. Mm-hmm. Or, t- yes, what to say. And then, but my instinct in that is to pick the first one that comes to mind. Okay. And just say it. For okay. better or for worse sometimes. As you can tell, sometimes... For worse. For worse. When I meant when I told everyone Baz Luhrmann was dead. <laughs> okay, okay. When I told everyone a man was dead who wasn't, who's oh. an Oscar-nominated director. Okay, I have something. Okay, I have something. Okay, what's up? Lately, my plants have been doing really well. <gasps> my household plants, like the okay. in general, we've gotten to the I've gotten to a comfortable place with them where like I can maintain them. I know how much like I know when it's time for more water and when you they know need. what they need. Yeah. Like, I feel like we get each other, and they're not all the same plant, which makes me feel good because... Do you know any of the genus or species? This is a jade plant. Okay. And I don't know more beyond that, but I know when it gets too dry, the leaves fall off, and they look kind of glittery, like all okay. dried up, which is pretty but sad. Okay. So I try my best to not let that happen. But I've been, like, rotating it so that... Because it used to lean. Ooh, so So I've been part... rotating it so that it grows towards... It, like... Yeah. Has to work towards the light. Like Each it's probably time. time for yeah, it I to, could get a good turn. Yeah, it's that time way. for a row. It was time for a rotation. <laughs> it was time <laughs> I for just a rotation. It. it was time. Oh, um, and how my, good that feels. My a golden, good rotation. My golden pothos. Your what? My golden pothos. Oh, that's a plant. Yeah, okay. <laughs> it's the one in um the living room that's like crawling over three different. Okay, rooms. the huge one. Yeah. yeah, taking over. Yeah, it's made it all the way from good old Des Moines, Iowa. Mm-hmm. Through two different moves, one across states, yeah, and it's thriving. And I, I never ever thought that would be a part of my life, but it's becoming a pretty defining for me. Like when people come to our house for the first time, they're like, "Oh my god, is that real?" And I'm like, "I guess it is shocking when you." Yeah, it's very <laughs> shocking. It takes over like three walls. It's huge. <laughs> wow, I'd love to hear that. I love to hear that they're thriving. Yeah, so you know, just a little something light. Good news from the home. Um, well, maybe not more good news, but we do have a topic to cover, yeah. an episode to cover, uh, not an episode, a movie. Well, we're going to do an episode about a movie. I was I was pre-warned of this movie. Yes, I did warn you that things were going to happen in this movie that we haven't really delved into on this show yet. Right. It. This is a pretty explicit rated X. It was... What was it rated? Well, I don't know what the movie is rated, but I was okay. going to say our podcast. Oh. <laughs> Probably oh, okay. not rated. This us, but... No, we won't. I'm not going to get too crazy about it. Yeah. But um, yeah, just kind of like a topic or content warning, I guess, or whatever. But 
this is a full-on true crime story. So we're going to go yeah. into, like, um, there'll be, we're going to talk about murder and drugs and death and all that kind of stuff. So if that's not what you want to hear on your Friday, um, then peace out. And we'll catch you next week for a different movie. But I just wanted to, like, preface you. We're about to switch genres a little bit in our podcast. Yeah. And talk a little bit more of a true crime movie, which is Party Monster. Of yes. the year... 2003. Love it. And you've watched it. I have watched it. Tell me about it. So I had absolutely nothing to go off of for mm-hmm. this movie. Had never heard of it. Had never seen it. Had never seen, heard of people in it. Okay. Zero. But I gave you a little idea. warning. You gave me a little warning. I do feel it was a bit, a bit over. Okay. Me, like over a, what do you mean what's the word i'm like a bit a bit like i don't think i it warned you warned, too much yeah i don't know that it warranted such a warning okay okay one might say got it like there was like the main thing that sticks to my head is that you said friend possibly friendship ruining oh for us i did say that <laughs> i didn't know how gruesome it was going to be fair i didn't know what was going to happen in the movie as i was researching i was like oh my oh my this is a lot yeah, as more people revealed themselves as characters, I said, "My gosh, this star-studded." Okay. This star-studded cast. Tell Am me I about it. Am I allowed to talk about it? Yeah. yeah. Great, Macaulay Culkin. Uh huh. Wow, I I could watch him as Michael Alec forever. Forever. What what an actor! Really, I love to hear that. He is a great actor. Shocking for me, Seth Green. Yes. Very shocking for me. Very. Okay. Um, upon realizing it, Marilyn mm-hmm. Manson, I was like, why mm-hmm. do I know that? Oh, Marilyn Manson. That's why I know that human. Mm-hmm. Got it. Natasha Leon. Really? <laughs> yeah. Oh. Uh, John Stamos. Okay. <laughs> Hello, what? Uncle Jesse. I did not know he was in this. Um, and then, uh, Amanda Lepore and Richie Rich. Okay. Were also in this. In the movie. In this movie. Okay. Um, the, some original Club Kids. Yeah, yeah. Both. Which I m- would not... I think had I not been a fan of RuPaul's Drag Race, mm-hmm. I would have been more shocked at this, okay. at the entire movie. But RuPaul's Drag Race introduced me to the concept of club kids. Right. So, so you were ready for the it, genre. Yeah. It, there was a part of me that already knew some of the world. So okay. I was ready to accept it. Got it. Understandable. Yeah. I would encourage you if you're listening and have never heard the term club kid, it's a very visual thing that you need to see. So either... Just Google Club Kids 90s New York City yeah. and look at those pictures or we'll have some up on our Instagram at Based Bias or BS. Yeah, I can't wait. I can't wait to talk about um, <laughs> something specifically, the costumes. Good, because I did a lot of research, but I didn't do a lot of visual research. I watched some things, but I need some more details. The costumes, incredible. Yay, I can't wait to go um, to it. It got a 29% on... The tomato meter, Oof. but a seventy-five percent audience score. Okay, on Rotten Tomatoes. I so like, see that. That's the people pretty, like it. Yeah, the people. The critics like it. not the so critics, much. The critics not so much. Okay. Yeah, not a single like major award nomination, which yeah. I was surprised by after watching it. Really? Yeah. A lot of the drug use was actually toned down in the movie from what was actually the habits of Michael and James. Okay. Um, because the production didn't think it would be believable, which was very fascinating. Yeah, it's gonna. We'll get to it, but there's a lot of drugs yeah. involved. Yeah, that's pretty evident from the get go. Okay. Um, both Macaulay Culkin and Seth Green met mm-hmm. with the people they portrayed before filming. Wow. Yeah, so I'm, I'll just leave it at that. And then <laughs> okay. my last little. Oh, I didn't even say film facts. I just started talking about facts. Well, I said tell me about it. So film oh, facts. Oh, okay. Film, film facts. facts. Yeah, right there. Um, great. You I was know like, what this part RuPaul, is. Uh-huh. Was originally supposed to have a supporting role, okay. but had scheduling conflicts because uh, she was recording Red Hot album. Love it. Mm-hmm. That's a cool fun fact. Yeah. Yeah, we'll get to it. But RuPaul is one of the original Club Kids yeah. with Amanda Lepore, like you said, and we will get to a little bit more about that. And then the last thing is that um, the first thing is based on a true story: white letters, black background. Based on a true story. Yep. Just right there. Yep. Yeah, right there at the start. Bam. No playing around with the words. Sometimes they're like they inspired get rid by of, get rid of based on <coughs> yeah. They're yeah. like too scared, but yeah. this is no. Claiming. This is yep. Here it is. Should we get into it? Let's do it. Okay. Um. Just 
here we go. So a majority of the information that we're going to talk about today is from another film that's also called Party Monster. Okay. But it's called Party Monster, colon, The Shockumentary. Okay. Um, by Fenton Bailey and Randy Barbado. Um, so this was a direct source for direct source material for the movie that you watched. Okay. Also called Party Monster. Got it. And like I said earlier, we're about to get into a true crime story. So I started off with a portion of that that you're going to hear now. And if this is not what you want to hear, you'll know as a gauge going forward, this is not what you want to listen to. Um, so starting off on April of 1996, a cardboard box containing a legless torso washes up on the shore of Staten Island, New York City. No, you're not saying mannequin body. You're saying like a human body. Correct. Got it. Yeah. A legless body. The whole body except for the legs. Got it. Well, it says a legless torso, so maybe do with that what you will. Yeah. Um, months later, took months, this body is identified as Angel Melendez, a New York club kid. But police were still unsure what had happened to the 24-year-old man. How did he end up here in a box? Where were his legs? And most importantly, who did this to him? Got it. So, this isn't really like a mystery story. We find out very quickly who did it to him. So let's just go back a bit in time to 1966 to South Bend, Indiana. Where... Whoa. Whoa. Yeah, we're going to Indiana, baby. Um, Where Michael... Alec or Alec? What was said in the movie? I feel like I remember them saying Michael Alec. I think Alec too. Okay. I heard both. Maybe that was just how (coughs) James St. James was saying it. James St. James, baby. Sorry, I didn't mean to. (laughs) No. I think I'm going to go with Alec. Alec? Alec. Do what you want. Michael Alec. It's going to be Alec. Yeah, that's how it rolls off my tongue that way. Where Michael Alec was born unto the world. Got it. Yeah. Born on two. He was... Yeah. That's a... F- yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he was... I've never... I've never... I've never your seen worst a creature. Nightmare. I've never seen a creature. Creature. Such as. Yeah. His parents' um, relationship was not very stable, but I couldn't also find a ton of sure. details on that. Um, but they ended up divorcing when Michael was just four years old. He lived with his mother, Elke. Yeah. E-L-K-E. Elkie? Yeah, they never... I don't remember them saying her name. If She's a character. they did, I couldn't register it was a name. She's in the movie? Yeah. Love to hear that. Um, <laughs> yeah. And they had a very close bond. Yeah. Um, as a young child, he loved horror movies and these gore movies that he would watch with his mom. Because it's like the 70s, and it's right when they kind of figured out how to make gore films. And they weren't really holding back. It was just like really nasty films. They showed it in this documentary of like decapitation, all this stuff that's fake, but it looked really gross. And so as a little kid, he really liked it. And his mother um, talked about her turning away and looking away from the screen because it was so gross, but then looking away and watching him still watching it, being like smiling. That was my experience watching you watch Alone last night. (laughs) (laughs) I love the TV show Alone. I'm sorry. Oh, I love it. As soon as you described it, I was like, I'm Michael Alec's mother in this scenario. (laughs) Not me being Michael. No, I'm not. I promise. Um, She also called him an ornery little boy. Have you ever heard that word? Ornery? 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 Yeah, Adam likes to say it a lot. Yeah, it's kind of like a southern-y thing or country thing. It means kind of like nasty and a little like horny pervert. That's kind of what I get from it. Oh. I don't know if that's really what it means, but that's... Definitely, like, nasty and grumpy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So, at school, he earned a reputation for being this bizarre kid, and as he got older, um, he was bullied for his homosexuality, even though he wasn't out yet, he was still cooking, but... Is the kids still bullied him, because they could tell. Um, So, now, let's flash forward to 1984. Michael graduates high school and he moves to the Big Apple for college and attends Fordham University. Now, NYC, 1984, this is like prime AIDS Mm. time. He goes to Fordham University, but he quickly drops out because he finds his true calling, the gay party scene in downtown New York. Um, So there's a term that I learned called celebutante. Was that ever mentioned in the movie? May I, not that I recall. Okay. Um, so basically, celebutantes were 
this phrase, I think it's a made-up phrase. I've never heard it before, but it's... Celebrity debutante? Yeah, exactly. Where the kind of like the person who enters the party and is the celebrity. And yeah. so it kind of formed out of all of these people flooding to the, the party scene, but celebrities, like real Hollywood celebrities or Broadway celebrities, whoever, weren't going to those parties because they were too outside of the mainstream so the culture the people there had to create their own celebrities Mm. so these people who were just regular people started getting notoriety Mm -hmm. for their costumes and their Mm. behavior or the parties they would throw and they became these celebrities within the community so they actually like had there were so many people at these parties that it kind of became they were actually celebrities yeah, that sounds like what at, at one point James is describing like how you can walk into a room and put on a performance with mm-hmm. a friend and like literally it's just you walking around a room like have you seen my friend? I lost my friend and then like bumping into your friend again. Oh, and then you leave and like it's an hour long performance, but like Oh, it yeah, there were so it, many wild performances that yeah. didn't really make much sense. But that sounds like that idea of like a celebrity of someone you'll literally just watch walk around a room. Yeah. Yeah. And James St. James <laughs> was specifically one of the one of the main celebrity taunts of the time. Yeah. He was or they were like a huge um <clears throat> icon of the time. Um, so that's kind of the, the atmosphere that Michael is entering mm-hmm. and he loves that idea of a celebutant. Yeah. He is like, sign me the F up. Yeah. So Michael actually first began working in, in clubs, like as a bartender, as a lower person. And he took this time to learn everything he could about them. So he learned like what people, what music people liked and what got them like up and dancing and drinking. He learned like what... Um, behavior from the staff what is most pleasing or like how that would how the club operates best at all angles so he was kind of learning this at that time and he quickly became a party promoter in the scene and was able to climb the ranks fast Mm -hmm. so a party promoter kind of notorious for being like gross people yeah, I'll give you drinks. Here's a come to my party. Come to my party. Here's a flyer. Yeah. Here's a drink. I have drink tickets. I, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was the whole montage. Of him trying to get people to come to the party? Yep. Okay. Did they mention what club yet? The Limelight. Correct. The Limelight. So we're not quite there yet, but first. The death of Andy Warhol. Yeah. The famed. Oh, that was the whole thing. Really? Yeah, a whole there's like a headline. Across, it was like a newspaper headline. Okay. We saw it was Andy Warhol dead. Well, first they told some Jesse St. James he wouldn't be any or Michael wouldn't be anything. It he wanted to be the next Andy Warhol. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Michael always was yeah. like, "I'm gonna be the next thing. It's happening. It's happening." Yeah. And so then Andy Warhol died in 1987, um, which caused a period known as the Death of Downtown. Yep. Um, the papers at the time. All printed these headlines. The papers? The papers at the time. <laughs> it's the death of downtown. What are we going to do? Um, and this, even though it was sad and not good, Michael saw it as, boom. It's my time. It's my time. The doors are open. The death of downtown. I'm going to stomp through these streets and become the new yeah. one. Yep. People in the club scene were craving a rebirth after the huge death and Michael rose to the occasion with the club kids. Yep. His group of faithful wild partygoers quick became icons on the scene with their insane outfits and grotesque and bizarre parties. Yeah. Tell me some outfits, please. Okay, well there was the like pickup truck party. Okay. Do you have you have you did you find I don't have anything okay. about a pickup truck. There was Marilyn Manson okay. driving a pickup truck on drugs. Mm-hmm. And in the back of the truck, pickup truck is just all these people. There wow. was someone in like a full chicken costume. Yep. And by someone, I mean Damien from Mean Girls. Okay. That Jared. actor? Yeah, I have his name. Daniel Fr- Fran. Franny? Franis? <laughs> Daniel <laughs> Franz. I Got think it. it is. Okay. Damien. He Damien. Was, I mean, um, Marilyn Manson brought like there his i don't know i feel like for this movie there is forever they're on like breastplate and like all these like 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 brought their own like padding and stuff Mm, for it um there was like 
it's so hard to just oh i saw a face kini okay face keenies yeah and there's so like a lot the of spikes out there was like it looked like yeah there's a lot of spikes there's a lot of like polka dots goth goth steampunk meets bright colors 80s meets like grunge punk grunge punk mime mime is a good yeah, yeah. clown there there was a whole nurse's medical themed party mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. just like all these the yeah it was it's what can we do that's the most crazy fucked up party ever. Yeah, it's like every what night would you we want to make history. What would your brain on acid want to see? Yes, yes. What would you? Yes, that's that's what it felt like. A I big was thing. Watching, and I don't. I've Drugs never done come acid, to life. But yeah, that's what it was. Yeah. So there's the outfits. Then there's also these crazy parties. There's blood parties. There's sex parties. There's one party that was specifically called Disco Two Thousand. Yeah. Um. That was. They featured, at the end of the night, a hot body contest. And this was a contest in which people, guests in the club, not the people who worked at the club, the guests in the club would compete in a hot body contest for $50. Mm. And the from multiple people who worked at the club, they were like, the amount of things you would see these people do for $50. Just getting up in front of strangers. They're the guests. They're not like getting paid, stripping, naked, having sex, everything. Yeah. Just in front of everyone. The most, like, when your mother, when your grandma says, don't move to New York City, they're going to corrupt you. These are the people she's talking about. (laughs) These are the people she's talking about. Um, So these Disco 2000 parties were held weekly. And the man behind all of this was Michael. But the man behind him if, if you imagine like a domino, <laughs> the, the man behind Michael was Peter Gation. His daddy. His money daddy. His money, money daddy. Sugar daddy, as they yeah. called. One-eyed. Um, yes. One-eyed bandit. One pet. Um, and he I was pet. the owner of the club, Limelight. Yep. Now, let's take an intermission. I, we used to live in New York City together, and I used to work... Across the street from the Limelight Club. You did when? Yes. <laughs> yes. When I This is the reason I chose the story. When I worked at that grad school. Remember that? Yes. And they moved. Like while I was working there, we moved to a different location. But the first location that I worked in, it was directly across the street. And the Limelight Club is in an abandoned church. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So it looks just like a church from the outside, like a beautiful, big, huge Catholic church. And there are every all day, these people coming in and huge. Yeah. So many. It was so crowded at the time. But me in like 2018, 2019, walking by it, it's just a church. And then I look in the doors and it's like dark, but then bright neon red and naked mannequin man bodies. And I'm like, what is this church? And so I eventually, after passing it too many days, I was like, I need to find out what this place is. Looked it up. It's a gay club. And I was like, what? In this church across from the street, how would I ever know that? And then it wasn't until later that I heard this story. And I was like, Limelight Club, that kind of sounds familiar. Oh, I used to walk by there every single day of my life. Yeah. So that's, that's my little personal story with the Limelight Club. That's insane. It, watching it, I was like, so many things I've heard on RuPaul's Drag Race are now making sense to me. Mm. Like, references and people and, like, quotes and stuff. I was like, oh, I really understand Club. Yeah. Not I understand it, but, like... Here's a little, like, insight into <clears throat> it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, these Disco 2000 parties at the Limelight were soon the hottest party on the scene. And the club, like you were saying, it would see around 15,000 people in attendance. In this little church. I've seen it. It can't fit that many people. It can't. It was a huge fire hazard. The police would come every night. Um, people were coming to see the club kids and how they partied. They just wanted to like Watch witness them. it. Yeah, and see the craziness. Like half of the people were part of the scene and and want to be people who want to be in the club. Yeah. The other half were just like, let's go see these crazy kids because they saw them on the news. We'll get to it. Yeah. <laughs> we'll get to it. Um, so let's go through a little bit of Michael's entourage, shall okay, we? Because he has the club kids. They're the people. So just to name a few, we've got a woman by the name of Jenny Talia. Jenny Talia. <laughs> we've got Richie Rich. Yep. We've got a man by the name of Robert Freeze Riggs. 
That yep. Man named Ring yep. a Bell. Seth, yeah. Seth Green. Oh yeah. No, that's not Seth Green. It's not. No, he's Jesse St. James. Oh, he is. Not Jesse St. James from Glee. He's James St. James. Jesse St. James. James St. James. Oh, I didn't know that. I thought he was Freeze. Okay. No. But Freeze is familiar. That's why I was shocked by Seth Green. Yes. Yeah. James St. James. RuPaul. Yeah, real life RuPaul. Real life RuPaul, you mentioned him earlier. And Amanda Lepore, just to name a few of the bigger named ones. Even though he was at the top and he was now known as the king of downtown, mm-hmm. Michael got bored. Yeah, what's that about? <laughs> he always wants to switch it up. He just keeps getting bored. Yeah. So he started throwing even more wild parties. That was kind of the thing. It was never enough. Never. Crazier. Let's get crazier. Let's do more. Let's have the craziest party that New York's ever seen. Different drugs. Drugs, salad. Drugs, more drugs, drugs. So uh, the next idea, parties on the go, basically. Yeah. He started hosting these, quote, gorilla parties in illegal locations. Mm-hmm. So gorilla, not like the animal, even though there might have been like someone gorilla in a gorilla wolf. suit. Yes. Guerrilla warfare. Guerrilla warfare. Where they would show up in mass to public locations or like abandoned spots and just throw a party. Such locations are a donut shop, a Burger King, subway stations, and then moving into the subway car and just taking over the huge subway with these like people in wild outfits just shooting drugs, doing whatever, playing music, dancing, making out. Just like ambush, ambush party style. There was a scene in the movie of him, of Michael, like walking into a burger place being like, can I get 300 orders of fries and 300 burgers? 300. And the guy taking the orders, like flirting with him and is like, sure. <laughs> and then he's like, will that be for here to go? And he's like, to go. And then all these people pour into this like tiny burger joint. He just like starts like throwing out burgers and fries until the police come. Wow. Yes. So the police do come. Um, these were actually known as the outlaw parties. And the highlight of them is the arrival of the police. Mm-hmm. Because the police are called. Maybe four police officers show up. Two cars. They can't take it all. Yeah. And so like people get away. Maybe some people get arrested. And those people are st- taken into higher regard at, in the group. Because right. they like they took the bullet. Or that's a bad phrase to use. But you know they got. Right. They took the blame. Um, so now these parties expose the club kids to more and more people and gain them notoriety, mainly for like shock value. Yeah. And people just wanted to see what they were doing. Um, so they were quickly featured on talk shows like the Joan Rivers show and Geraldo. Mm-hmm. Um, I've never watched either of those. They're a little bit before my time, but cause I'm a young little sprightly boy, yeah. but young buck. Yeah, <laughs> young buck. Um, but they were definitely featured in that time of like, look at these quote unquote freaks, how yeah. they live their life. Like kind of almost a fear tactic of like, you don't want your kid to be like this, but let's watch them through curiosities. That lens. was the John Stamos character. Oh, he was the talk show? Mm-hmm. Okay, nice. One of them. Um, how many people did they bring onto the talk show? There were like eight of them. Okay. Yeah. Like a lot of them. And the audience was in shock. At their just lifestyle costumes. Were they all done up in costume too? Yeah, all different types of costumes. Michael was like in costume, but he also just looked kind of like sickly. Okay. And drugs. There was a lot of like throwing under the bus and like Oh. Like, yeah. They were like, Well, what do you do besides being a club kid and this and it was the the angel character. Okay. And Mm -hmm. he was like nothing. And then Michael was like Obviously, he's a drug dealer. Oh. Like, yeah. on air. Yeah. Yeah. We'll get to Angel in a bit. But the the closest thing I had that I could relate to this, them being on the talk show moment with, was the news media's obsession with Lady Gaga when she first mm, came out. Yeah. She was very, to me, club kid inspired of, like, shock fashion. That and meat the dress. meat dress. Yeah, like it is straight up club kid. Like, I want to shock you. And also, I want you to, like, kind of want to fuck me. Yeah. And that was kind of like how I saw that yeah, relating definitely. to myself. Definitely. Um, because I was fascinated. Like, that's one of the reasons I went to her. And, like, you can see the same fan base. Yeah. You can see the queers 
going to the people who are weird and the people who are proud to be monsters and fucked up. Yeah. Um, so one of the icons of the club scene, as you said, was James St. James. And a quote from him says, quote, there's a place for you if you feel like you're a freak. If you've got a hunchback, you know, throw a little glitter on it, honey, and go out and dance. Show the world that it's okay. It's about letting all that go and letting yourself have a good time. And I think that that's a really positive message. Yeah. And at the core, that is what it was about. I kind of love that quote to see it in a new light. There was a lot of drugs and a lot of bad things, but there was also the message What oh, behind exactly. it was everyone was just trying to like find community. Um, and so now after being on these talk shows and all of this like message being spread, people flocked and all the queer little babies around the world saw them on talk shows and flocked to New York City. Um, one of these quote wannabes, that's what they called them in the group, um, was Angel Melendez, mm-hmm. who we talked about at the beginning of the episode. Um, and he was allegedly, kind of not allegedly, supplied drugs at the Limelight Club. Um, we haven't really talked about drugs in specificity yet. Yeah. Because there's a lot. There's, like, I... And sometimes they were specific in the movie and sometimes they weren't. Sometimes they were overly, like, yeah, I'm taking this ketamine. Yeah, okay. I'm taking... This is cocaine. I hate doing cocaine, but I guess I will. They said the words. Yeah. Um, something I really... It's a pet peeve of mine in movies or TV or whatever I'm watching is when it's, like, edited drug induced film where it's like either wavy or like distorted films i hate when that kind of like the character takes drugs and then you're also as the watcher on these like hallucinogenics does that happen because i hate that it wasn't like super wavy crazy that i remember but there was a i mean maybe it's just because of 2003 right there was an era of like oh what's happening what am i looking at oh i think they're supposed to be on a drug trip Okay. So it wasn't like making me like sick, uncomfortable to watch or like uh-huh. weird like visuals, but there was all like color, use of color. Okay. And club lighting. And music. Yeah. And and the, really like the, the costumes and set, like it was really, really visual with that as opposed to mm. camera doing a lot of the work. Okay. I, I appreciate that. It makes me more interested to watch it. Yeah. Because I want to see more of the camera. Or the not story the is insane. The costumes. Like, there was, like, it started with them talking directly to the camera. Really? Yeah. Okay. Because this documentary I watched, it's really based on that. So I think that's where that kind of comes in with the people did talk to the camera in the documentary, obviously. Yeah. So let's get into some drugs, kids. Oh. Okay. Great. So about this time, Michael. Um, about this, wait, what did I, why did I say it like that? Um, <laughs> later, Michael said, every single day I was on cocaine and heroin and rohypnol and ketamine and the occasional crack and ecstasy, oh, fuck, ecstasy, end quote. What a yeah. list. It didn't completely start out this way, actually. The club scene, club kid scene didn't start as drug fueled as it was, but as as slippery slope yep and it's hosted in like clubs and drugs means money and yeah you the beginning michael does not it's not michael's not portrayed as doing drugs off the bat it it shows him slipping into it okay um and even though he created all of this scene michael was not very well liked he was more the difference between famous and infamous he yeah, was on the infamous, infamous side. He had this kind of your worst nightmare act yeah, that he would do. Yeah. Of just like, I want everyone to hate me. I want everyone to be grossed out. Um, and what is the most fucked and gross thing I could do in this moment? Let's do it. So with that, I'm going to give you a trigger warning because it's about to get gross. Yeah, there were some disgusting things I saw happen. Yeah, was it a pee drinker? One of the things was definitely pee drinking. What about a champagne enema? Not that. <laughs> so at was um, spitting on face, dropping a loogie on a face. Okay, I ha- okay. So a lot of gross, gross. These were like performances that the guests would watch. Um, oh. The pee drinker and the champagne enema. Oh. Those were like things um, that people would do up on stage. At the time, one man said, "Quote." This is gross. I'm sorry. I drink pee and I drink vomit from Michael two different times. One man said, and it was an accident. 
it was in a Gatorade bottle. And Michael was like, hey, take a drink of this. And he did it. And he did it two different times, which I'm like, sir, after the first time. That's, um, that's at one part. There's that in the movie. There is? Giving him to, giving it just, J- James St. James. James St. James. He gets him to drink his pee. Gross. Okay, do you remember where I left that? Oh, yeah, pulled out a penis. Pulled out a penis. <laughs> this is where you left off, exactly. <laughs> what did I say? You're gonna say Michael at a party. Michael pulled out his penis, and then okay. <clears throat> at one of these parties, Michael was actually eek seen pulled out. <laughs> <laughs> I'm scared Michael. to say penis. <laughs> pee pee. His pee pee. Okay, I can say it. I'm a grown man. You have one. <clears throat> I have one. <laughs> you said it. I'm scared. I. Just say it. I have a penis. <laughs> penis. That's a blooper if I ever heard. Penis. Penis. Who are you, Jess from New Girl? Perners. <laughs> okay, I've never seen that. At one party, Michael was seen pulling out his penis. <laughs> pulling out his penis, everyone. He pulled out his dickaroo on the balcony at the Limelight Club and he peed down on a bartender woman below working. She then runs into the management office and is like, hey, this dude just peed on me. What the hell? And she gets fired. Jaw dropped. That's what Michael's. He was in charge. He created the whole party scene and she gets fired. Jaw dropped, she said. Truly a party monster. 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 Sorry, yeah. How did he treat people in the movie? Was Terribly. he this this terrible? Yeah, like he yeah, he gave a champagne toast and one of the two of the people were out of the room and he peed in one of the champagne glasses and then when everyone drank, James St. James had to pretend he was also drinking champagne. Got it. He was drinking Michael's peepees. Mm-hmm. Well, and then he, he spit on James St. James's face. Like mm-hmm. was a little loogie on there. Oh. He, yeah, he, like, brought his mother on one of the talk shows, and then he was like, okay, I'm leaving, I'm gonna go have sex with this person. She's like, what do you mean? He was like, yeah, I take the gray home. She's like, greyhound home. Take take a bus home. She's mm-hmm. like, uh, I came here to stretch them out. I'm not leaving on a bus. What? Like, you brought oh, me here. yeah. Because she would, like, party with him in the movie. She would party with him. Yeah, that happened. Um, so as all, the parties are growing bigger, the mom's involved sometimes. She comes out because... And, like, defends the club. She's like, club, anyone could be a club kid. Yep, yep. She's seen on the news. Um, so now, <clears throat> as we talked about the drugs a little bit, Michael now wants an endless stream of drugs for mm-hmm. him and the party at all times. Just endless stream. Yeah. These drug supplies soon become a huge part of the scene. Men like Robert Freeze Riggs, who we talked about. Yep. And Angel Melendez. Yep. So, drugs, drugs, and more drugs. Then, in September of 1995, federal agents closed in and padlocked the doors of the Limelight Club because it was just becoming this drug-selling hub. Yeah. It was a drug-selling hub, baby. It was a club, but it was a drug-selling hub. It was a club, but it was a drug-selling hub. What? What? Okay, The drug-selling hub. The drug-selling hub. Come down to the Limelight Club. Drug-selling club. Yeah, okay. If you use that Limelight Club... We We're need to get paid. Me. Why are we so musical today? <laughs> I don't know. So, Angel, who works at the club, is now out of a job. And Michael, Alig, who wants him close for the drugs, right. says, come move into my apartment. He loves telling people, come move into my apartment. He loves to have power over people. Yep. Yep. And he has power over Angel because Angel is one of those star, starry-eyed, like, I want to be part of the group. Yeah. And... Uh, Michael knows that, and he takes advantage of him. So then on March 17th, okay. 1996, right. Angel Melendez is reported to have disappeared. And we know this because he's a drug dealer. I feel like I want to say allegedly, but it's kind of proven. But whatever. Drug dealers can be good people, too. Yeah. Yeah. I stand by that. He is that, so people are looking for him daily. Mm-hmm. They want him, and they notice that he's not there. And now... Michael Eilig is throwing smaller house parties because the club is closed and Angel lived there. People are noticing at these house parties, where's Angel? Angel. 
So people are noticing very quickly. And the first party without Angel there, Michael had actually just dyed his hair red. And thus he had stained his red hands because he had dyed his hair red. Okay. Which is convenient for someone who possibly could have just murdered someone and it would have blood stains on yeah. their hand. Yeah. So he yeah, just maybe coincidence, right? Is blood stain your hands? Um I think it can stain like your fing- inside of your fingernails. Mm. It can just get places. I don't think it necessarily would stain. Like the palm. The crevices. Got it. The nooks. Oh, the crayon. The crayons. Sorry to derail you. <laughs> Did you see? In addition to the hair change, color yeah. change, Michael also has a huge gouge in the back of his neck. Gouge? Yeah, like someone had stabbed and ripped a little chunk out. It was like a huge huge V-shaped, upside-down V-shaped gouge. I don't remember that. And he also conveniently had access to all of Angel's drugs. Yeah. So it's... He's acting like he knows that Angel is not coming back anytime soon. Conveniently. So during these days, um, after the disappearance... Disappearance? Disappearance? Angel's brother, Johnny Melendez... Begin searching. Okay. Is he a character in the movie? He could be. I don't know. His brother, maybe? Okay. Um, he said, quote, I went to the police to file a missing persons report, but they didn't care or believe me and wouldn't let me file a thing. Uh. Because he it's... he was a club kid? Yep. It's the 90s. He's not white. He's Latin. I don't... Maybe Mexican. And... Yeah. He was definitely not... He, he was definitely a person of color. Yeah. And gay. And yeah. a drug dealer. Yeah. So they said, if he is gone, in their minds, Doesn't better matter. for us. Yeah. Um, from day one, Johnny is by himself d- investigating his brother's disappearance. He began hanging flyers with $4,000 reward posted on them in the areas of town where he knew that his brother frequented. And people around the area, they knew him. So they would be like, oh, yeah, I know of him. And then they wouldn't tell him anything mm. else. They say, I know him, but I don't know where he is. No one in the community wanted to say a thing because rumors, baby, rumors are circling and stories are being told. Okay. So some in the club scene had heard that Angel had fled town. Oh. Or that Michael was going to turn him in to the feds for his drugs Mm. so that he left town. Or other darker ones like Michael had murdered him and dismembered him and put a piece of him in every borough of the city. Or sometimes... Um, in the following weeks, the stories would get worse and worse. So the stories actually started to come back to Michael himself. And he began, quote, telling stories at parties, telling anyone that would listen, that him and Freeze, Robert Riggs, had killed Angel. Yeah. Michael's just telling people, it's like a party trick. He's quoted in the shockumentary as saying, quote, he, talking about Angel, he was a copycat. He was one of those copycats that we hate. So we killed him. And then he giggles and he says, I killed Michael. I like watched Michael Alex say this. That's. Yeah, it's I, the very opening of the shockumentary. Yeah, it's the very him. opening of the movie. Really? Mm-hmm. I'm saying. That's yeah. why I was like, it's no mystery. We learn right away. Who yeah. Um, yeah. It starts with that, that he says he, he killed him and, and, and he's telling it to James mm. and James doesn't believe him. Really? Mm-hmm. Okay. It's like, yeah, okay, sure you did, Michael. Sure you did. That's exactly how people... Be- the They reacted that way. That's yeah. exactly how the club yeah. kids okay, reacted. sure you did, Michael. You killed him, yeah. Most people did not believe him and thought it was just one of Michael's ways to get attention. Which I wanted to bring up an interesting part about the club kids is that they were, at the same time, so equally, like... Fuck everyone, and I don't care about anyone else. I'm going to do the most selfish, crazy, perverted thing. But at the same time, they want desperately wanted to be part of fame and society. They loved the celebrity part. So it's a weird, like, I thought you didn't care about anything and fuck anarchy and everything and blow it all up. But you still want to be famous? Well, those two things don't go together. Yeah, yeah, and in the movie... He's, like, bragging, telling all these stories for the clout. But you also, like, fuck society. No one cares. No one matters. Right, and there's this kind of, like, James is being is the voice that's like, well, 
you have to turn yourself in. Yeah, like, he's the voice of reason. You, If you do, you have to tell the police. Mm-hmm. And Michael's like, yeah, I'm going to tell the police. He, like, basically reacts back the same way. Yeah, sure, I'm going to tell the police. Yeah, right. Why would I ever do that? Yeah, it's cr- it, it's this crazy cycle. So while he's just, like, bragging about it, doing whatever, Johnny, back to Angel's mm. brother, he begins hearing these rumors going around rumors slash truths because now michael is just telling people and people are thinking it's rumors but they're actually he's just bragging yeah he's finally able to track down michael and question him face to face michael was being a little bitch like he is he was avoiding eye contact he couldn't look johnny in the eyes Mm. and johnny noted in this documentary he said me and my brother look a lot alike so when you look at me, I knew he was like looking. looking at my brother too. And he had skittish eyes, so Johnny knew that all the rumors were true at that instant. The murder happened, like we said a little bit earlier, on March 17th. We'll get to actually what happened. But the body wasn't found in the river until mid-April. Yeah. And then it wasn't identified as Angel until November of 1996. That's so spread out so like, spread out like it took how did not they, sit like they couldn't have found it faster like they found it when they found it but then from april to november april for till november they really didn't care about solving this case Ugh. i think and finally the body's identified and everyone now is like okay we've heard all these stories about michael killing angel now we find angel's body well so michael did you actually do this did you kill him and all of the peop- all the club kids know this, but no one wants to talk mm. and no one wants to say anything. So as um, Angel's body is identified, Michael and Freeze, the people who killed him, flee New York City and head to Denver. Because they're like, well, we're just going to leave and it'll all be fine. Michael said about this, quote, I was foolish enough to think that I could get all the way there with five bags of heroin because that wasn't enough. For him, yeah. For him. He used so much heroin that he couldn't get there with five huge bags of heroin. So they thought they could get there, but they couldn't. And they only got as far as Indiana. Remember Indiana? Mm -hmm. She comes back. Before, Michael's withdrawal symptoms were becoming too much to handle in the car. Mm. So there, they meet up with his mother. Oh. Elkie. Is it Elkie or Elk? I don't. Oh, yeah, you said you don't know. Okay, whatever. She takes him eventually to a methadone clinic, which is where actual doctors will get you help drugs to help um, withdraw symptoms. Correct, yeah. So um, within seven days, he was back up and traveling, except he was not traveling um, the direction west. He was traveling back east to New York City. Why? Because he was like, I can't make it. I don't have drugs. Because he had run out of drugs, so he had to go back to New York City to get more heroin so he could just survive because addiction and boredom. Mm. He loves to get bored. So he comes back to New York City and actually starts to make headlines again. Um, And headlines such as, like, did he or didn't he, like, kill Angel? Uh. Who who cares because he's back? The party's back. Oh, God. Who cares? The party's back. We don't care that he's a murderer of this innocent man. Um, He actually starts a new club called Honey Trap, but it fails immediately, which is great. And he takes his new boyfriend at the time, whose name is Brian, and they move to New Jersey. So I kind of skipped a little bit. I rushed to that part a little bit because it's a lot of moving. He goes to Indiana. He realizes, I need drugs, and they're not here, or I don't have connections here. He goes back to New York. He fails there. He moves to New Jersey so that he can sell the drugs close, but Mm -hmm. he's not in New York. Knock, knock, knock. Who is it? It's 3 a.m., and the cops have arrived at Brian's front door. They finally heard all of the rumors, and they're like, we should probably talk to this man named Michael, who every single person is saying killed him, killed Angel. They immediately handcuff Michael and begin questioning him as he's loaded into the back of the cop car and immediately driven back to New York City. Okay. We traveled a lot in these past couple of sentences. Right. I'm sorry. But we're back in New York City. It's all good. At the same exact time, Freeze, Robert Riggs, was being arrested, and within hours, he gave his full confession. Um, any movie updates for us? Okay. Well, I have some questions, and then I can respond. Okay. My questions are, do these names ring a bell? Okay. 
gets you. Yes. I didn't really... I felt like I had a lot of characters at this point, so she was one of the ones that I took some information from her, but didn't really ever name her. Okay. But she was she kind of like his... She seems to be the Brian. She's with him okay. when he gets arrested. She's the one that he drives cross-country with. A woman. A woman. Oh, okay. Um, Like, they, like, kiss on TV. She's, like, someone who's obsessed with him. Yeah. Yeah. So, she, like, becomes, like, a whole partner for him. Okay. And then also Kiyoki. Mm, I didn't see anything Okay, about he was, them. like, his, like, boyfriend at the beginning. Okay. Yeah, they, I didn't really he see a lot a of He was a DJ that would, like, come and Oh, maybe DJ I did. Kiyoki. Yeah, he, yes. He, that is a person. Yeah, he... Yeah. And he got a lot of connections starting out from him. Yeah, he was, like, his, like, boyfriend at the beginning of it. And okay. Then, yeah. Um, so... So that all pretty much happens. Yeah. 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 And yes. Gitsy is definitely a character in this, and she was one of his, like, close right-hand club mm-hmm. kid girls. I have a little... I have a quote from her later at the end um, that I'll say that's gotcha. quite shocking. And you'll understand her relationship with him. Um, so Freeze gives his confession. Got it. And I've kind of left this till the end. This is what happens. Yep. On Sunday. March 17th, 1996. The three men are in Alex's apartment. Yep. Michael, Angel, and Freeze. Mm-hmm. I'll be interested to see what the movie portrays, but I was a. I've seen some things about money where Michael owed Angel money. That was that's what it was. Is okay. that, well, it was that Michael smoked all, or like did all of Angel's drugs and owed him money. Uh, yeah. So now like, and he was just like, "You owe me fucking money," yeah. and Angel was mad about it. Yeah. They were arguing loudly, um, and then from the other room, um, what's his name? Freeze hears a loud crash and glass breaking. Mm-hmm. He comes in to see Michael and Angel wrestling and fighting, and then Freeze runs in and hits Angel in the head with a hammer. Yep. Three times. Yep. And then Angel, let's go with Michael. Michael then gets on top of Angel. He's down. Three hammer strikes to the head, you're down. Yeah. But Michael proceeds to get on top of Angel and begins to strangle him, then puts a pillow over him and smothers Angel's face. I don't remember if the smothering happened, but I know that like he was involved in some of some type of like ending of his life. Other than the hammer. Yeah. The strangling maybe. Freeze then leaves the room and he when he returns, he sees Michael pouring a quote bathroom liquid into Angel's mouth. We later find out that this is Drano. Mm. After pouring that in his mouth, he starts to wrap his mouth with duct tape. Freeze jumps in and helps him. And at the same point during this, or at some point during this, sorry, Michael calls his mother. Okay. He calls, this part shocked me. I can't get over it. So he told his mom, blubbering is what she said. That's the verb that she used. Okay. Quote, it was just like fragments. He was so like distraught or having high emotions when he called and he said and this is what she said that he said on the phone murdered murdered angel tiny little pieces mom i don't know what to do end quote he said that to his mother and then she goes in the documentary i watched her say this and i just couldn't put it together murdered murdered angel tiny little pieces mom i don't know what to do how can you, how do you not, how do you not, mom, how do you not click she's those? She's probably on ecstasy. She could, yeah. She's definitely maybe allegedly on drugs, but come on. He clearly said, I just murdered this man. Um, so after calling his mom, they went to undress Angel down to his underwear. I'll be honest. I don't exactly know where the mother call happens. He does say tiny little pieces, so it might be a little bit later. Yeah. Does he... I don't know. I don't know if I remember the... The call to the mom? Yeah. Okay. Well, so at some point that happens, but they go to Angel. They undress him down to his underwear and put him in the tub. And then they give each other a pat on the back for a hard day's work and walk away. Job complete. They leave him in Michael's bathtub. Yep. They do that. For five to seven days. They talk about a smell. It has to be smelling in there. They're painting the walls red. New York City in March, I guess it's kind of cold still, but they're painting the walls red. Yeah. 
to get rid of the blood scenes? Yep. <gasps> really? Mm-hmm. Oh my god. They killed this man and then left him in their bathtub for five to seven days because they didn't know what to do with the body. So Michael eventually says, quote, if you give me ten bags of heroin, I will take care of this part. And yep. Free says, so I did. Yep. Just another content warning. Here we go. Um, Michael went into the bathroom alone and then proceeded to cut off both of Angel's legs. Um, oh, and then I guess this might possibly be where he called his mom. I don't know. I put it in two places in my notes on accident. Mm-hmm. Then he puts the remainder of Angel's body into a large plastic garbage bag, mm-hmm. tapes it up, and then puts that plastic bag into the large cardboard box that we started this story with. Yeah. Then the two carry the box out into the the street and put it into the back of a cab. No. They call a cab and put this poor man's body and take it to the West Side Highway around 25th Street and throw that box into the river. That's the box that soon washes up on shore a month later and boom, boom, now we have the full story. Ay, ay, ay. After his arrest, Michael and Freeze both pled guilty to manslaughter and were sentenced. Did this say in the movie? How long? I, uh, 10 to 20 years. Yeah. For what they did. 10 to 20 years, yeah. not enough. In my opinion, they murdered this man. Yeah. It was a disagreement, but that's not how you handle a disagreement, obviously. And you right. don't cut off someone's legs. No. And leave them in your bathtub for five to seven days. Um, Michael, about this, about his taking the plea um bargain he said he did this because quote if i get charged with murder they don't give you a vcr so i can't get charged with murder then he giggles like a vcr in jail to play movies on yeah he he like in the movie it shows him having a relationship with the police okay and like them basically telling him you won't get in trouble if you help us take down the owner of the limelight club really yeah because like they're convinced that he's doing a whole drug ring Oh, but she kind of was, but yeah. So about Gitsy, remember yeah, you mentioned Gitsy her? Yeah, Gitsy girl. She said in the documentary that if he had gotten life in prison, she was. They had made a plan for her to smuggle enough heroin inside of her into the prison that he could kill himself. Wow. Or commit, die by suicide. Die by wow. overdose. Yeah, in when he's in jail, there's like there's him talking to James. And James and he's like, yeah, it's okay. Gitsy and I are gonna get married soon. Oh. And we're gonna have conjugal visits. And then James says, no, she's she had an overdose. Yep, she died. Oh. That part's true. I didn't really, I didn't want to add another character into sure. this. She was just like pretty big in the in the movie. Yeah. They wanted a large female she, character. I think yeah, that and like and it, the Brian character. There, right. there were a lot of male characters in the movie. Okay. Male presenting. Yeah, yeah. She well, he was definitely dating Brian at the time of his arrest. Yeah. So Angel Melendez was simply doing what every other single lonely queer person was doing at the time, searching for community and belonging. And that's what he found with the club kids. He was only 24 when he was brutally murdered by Michael and Robert Freeze Riggs. 24. Mm. And then Michael ended up serving 17 years for the crime. He was paroled on May 5th of 2014. Mm -hmm. And he was free to go about his life after that. Talking about the murder, he made like, he had like a web series. Don't look it up. Don't watch it. Um, Not that it's. I haven't, I mean, I haven't watched it, but just don't support him. Yeah. Thankfully, though, he didn't have much life to live. He died six years later. Um, he died the day before Christmas on 20, or in the year 2020. Angel was remembered by Johnny, his brother, and his family, and the club scene by his trademark set of feathered wings. Mm-hmm. Did he have those in the movie? He did. Big white wings. He'd wear at parties, and his just welcoming, always, like, eager, happy to see everyone's soul. But they attributed that to... Attributed. Yeah. Attributed? Attributed. They attributed that to Michael. They said Mike, they like made it as if Michael was the person who inspired him to oh, they, get big wings. Oh, really? The wings yeah. in particular? Because yeah. his name was Angel? Yeah. Maybe that's true. I, I didn't find anything about that. But he was sadly really inspired by Michael. Yeah, he was. Because he was an inspiration at one point to a bad one. He was like a 
bad inspiration, but he did let people know it was okay to be crazy. crazy and as as wild as you could possibly be, people would still want to party with you and be with you. That's the message he generally gave on the talk shows. Yeah. Okay. That. Yeah. So you can actually I watched it on YouTube. That is the horrific story of the truest party monster there could ever be, Michael Alig. And the story of the club kids murder. Yeah. Sorry to put you all through that. Um, but I think it's a really interesting story about like truly the party went too far. Too far. Too far. And Michael Michael liked the fame too much. I agree. He liked the fame too much and he he started to thrive off it and live off it and it was just not good for him. Yeah, he, he was not to sympathize for him at all, but But he was like addicted to the fame. He was like the worst person that could have been the new king of downtown. Yeah. But he was very persuasive and that's what was very much depicted in the movie. And, really? And I I like I said the drug play was the drug use was downplayed. Okay. In the movie from what it actually I'm glad to hear that. Watching people do drugs makes me nauseous. Yeah, it yeah, there was it showed a lot, but it also like more so it was just like the vibes, the the lighting, the set dressing, the mm. the way that the people were acting gave yeah. you very party. Party the drug. drug. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So now that you had to not had to, you were privileged enough to listen to the story well, watch the story once on the movie. Listen yeah. to the story a second time by me. Do you believe that this is based bias or BS? What do you say? Ah, it's kind of hard. Uh-huh. I thought it would be easy. I thought I would feel like... Certain? Certain. I, I want to lean toward... I'm leaning toward base, but there is part that does feel biased. Okay. Because, I don't know, it somehow paints him in a not as negative light as you would think. Really? I mean, he doesn't come off well. And maybe it's just because it's Macaulay Culkin. True. You can't help. Like, for me, I'm like, I'm I love watching, that man. It's really hard for me to separate Kevin McAllister <laughs> from him. So I'm like, I'm always going to have sympathy for yeah. Kevin McCall- McAllister. That's an interesting, honestly, it's, casting choice. Yeah. It he's make, so likable. He's so likable. But maybe that. And maybe that's maybe who that was. <laughs> Michael was a little likable. So I guess it's based. I guess mm, it's based. It is based. I think so. Yeah. <sighs> He wasn't, I should say, like, in interviews, he was not kind to the people that were there with him. Okay. So, but the way that the audience was reacting, you were like, I guess it's okay to act like this. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly what he was. He was just, he knew how to play the crowd. He knew how to play people. And he was so manipulative in a way of like, you're always going to be the butt of my joke. Or the butt of my prank. Yeah. And you're going to like it because I'm I'm the one I'm bringing the, all the people. The and attention. if you leave me, yeah. like, what other party are you going to go to? I literally wrote down, Michael has the power over people, like, by making them be, feel stuck to him. They're indebted to him. They're attached to him in some way that makes them, m- makes them miserable. And he, like, makes them little celebrities in the world. Yeah. You're seen with Michael and all of a sudden you're, like, you're- the hottest thing at the party. Yeah. Well, if you like this kind of genre of crazy parties and just... True crime. Yeah. All of that. The Shockumentary is actually available on YouTube and it's free. I just clicked it, watched it. It's like only 50 minutes long. And it is a little bit more in depth. They go into deep depth about the horror blood parties, which I skipped because I said, no one needs to talk about the blood blood feast, the blood feast party, baby. Yeah, I skipped that. I said, maybe that's too much for our listeners. Well, it was in the movie. And if you want a little bit more, you can watch the movie, um, the real movie Party Monster. I guess they're both real movies, Zach, or the shockumentary on YouTube. Yeah, they're great. Recommend? I recommend if you're not someone who's easily like, if you're not super sensitive to violence or mm-hmm. extreme situations, yeah, yeah, it's very compelling. Compelling. The it, the costumes are beautiful, and I the reason I should say part of the reason the costumes are so beautiful is because a lot of them are the real clothes that the club kids wore. They were asked to bring them themselves, so like wow. thousands of costumes were used, and a lot of them were 
real, real, authentic clothes that they actually wore. That's amazing. Yeah. One thing I didn't mention, but I think is funny to add at the end. Um, you mentioned like a chicken. Yep. A big chicken mascot. Yeah. And they rented these these big mascots from a mascot like store for like colleges. And they each went in at a different time, all of the club kids to get one. There was about like 10 of them, I think, or seven. I don't know. And they each went in separately, gave a fake name so that they couldn't be tracked. It was back in the 90s. They couldn't be tracked by a card number or whatever. And so they could just keep the mascots and have them at the parties. And they would have sometimes the chicken head with just like a naked man dancing underneath. Yeah. They would do all sorts of... Polar bear. Polar bear, baby. all, All the... Any animal your heart desires. Yeah, there would be a naked man underneath it. Yep. <laughs> and so we hope you enjoyed this week's episode. If See. you um, enjoy what you listen to and you're still listening here, you can um, like, not like us. You can subscribe to our podcast. Subscribe on whatever platform, platform you're listening to. You can rate and review us. That's actually the secret. Um, That's the secret recipe. Yeah. If you were to ask SpongeBob what goes in a Krabby Patty... <laughs> What's the if secret say, formula? Review and comment. Review and comment. Or review rate and, and review. Rate and review. Rate Don't, and review. Yeah. Not, you can comment. Yeah, you can. But make yourself. sure you rate. But make yeah. sure you rate it, please. But I don't like to beg. So we'll leave you for now. And we'll see you next Friday. Yes, we will. Hopefully we're done singing by then. Yeah, for real. What the heck? <laughs> I'm not warmed up. La, la, la. And he had skittish eyes, so Johnny knew that all the rumors were true at that instant. All mm. the rumors are true. Mm, 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 mm. Well, it's not that upbeat, though. No, no. But <laughs> it's a song. Yeah. Okay. I love it, Lizzo.